What's poppin' fam? Welcome to Don't Touch My Mindset, a podcast that is designed to uplift, inspire, and motivate you, and most importantly, share tools to help you protect that mindset. And I'm super excited to be here. I'm thrilled. I'm pumped. I'm amped. I'm ready. I'm excited. Hopefully you are too. Hopefully you've had a good week. If if you didn't catch uh, the season drop, go check it out. Dope. It's like personally my favorite episode that we've done so far. But today we have a very special, special guest. We have the sober yoga girl out of uh, Bali. Yo, she's uh, doing amazing things. Um, she's teaching yoga all over the world through her online community. Uh, yo, just, just so, so, so many amazing people out there. And that's why I do this segment. And so, you know, that there's there are other people who are constantly growing, constantly going through things, making the pivot, making the shift, and, and, and shifting to intentional growth. Um, the, the, the most beautiful thing about it is that uh, you can too. You can too. So um, we're going to dive into that pivotal moment. I just want to say thank you for being here. If this is your first time here, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. Rate, review the show. If anything resonates with the show, share with a friend. You never know what they might need to hear today. Um, head over to DontTouchOurMindset.com and check out the merge from season two. That is popping right now. And um, yeah. I love you guys. So happy to have Alex McRoberts here. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. This is actually yeah. like our first time talking, and she's ready and willing to share her pivotal moment. So I'm super excited. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you? Tell us who you are, what you do, you know, things like that. What you're doing. What's up? Who are you, girl? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm Alex and I am currently, so I'm originally from Canada, but I have been living overseas for the last seven years and I'm currently living in Bali in Indonesia. And I run a online community where I help people quit drinking and develop a yoga practice and I do coaching and we have an app and it's this pretty amazing worldwide community supporting people changing their life. I'm speechless because that is absolutely beautiful. Like my heart is mercy open. And I, and I, mm, that's good. That's good. So one, what started that? What made you want to do that? Yeah, so I have actually been interested in yoga my whole life. Like that was always my, that was always what I wanted to do. Um, I never, so I was a school teacher and that was what moved me overseas. And I actually never really wanted to teach. And while I was in my university degree, I discovered yoga as this coping mechanism for my mental health. And, you know, I said to my parents, like, I'm going to be a professional yoga teacher. And they were like, you're going to get a job. (laughs) And um, so then I ended up following this path of teaching, even when it was not like my, you know, my purpose. 
And um, it was a wonderful experience because it led me like to the other side of the world. So in Canada at the time that I graduated, it was like pretty competitive to get a role in a classroom as a teacher in like the cities. And so they were really promoting us to move overseas. And so I found myself at 23 accepting a job in Kuwait of all places, a tiny country in the Middle East. And then I later got a job in Abu Dhabi. So I ended up living in the Middle East for seven years and it was like an incredible adventure. Um, but at the same time, I really struggled with my drinking, really got into binge drinking and partying there. And this kind of led me to this sort of breakdown, but also breakthrough in finding sobriety and then coming to this point where I'm now, you know, doing what I always wanted to do with my life. You said so much there that I'm like, okay, we're going to need three interviews. <laughs> I like to dive and I like to dissect and dive. Um, one thing you said, purpose. So I have one question before we dive all into it. When I say the words purpose over practical, what does that mean to you? Purpose over practical, that means like following your, I was reading this quote the other day that said, you know, it's better to follow your dharma or your purpose imperfectly than to live someone else's dharma or purpose. And I, that comes up for me when you say purpose over practical, because I feel for a long time I was following this practical idea of what life should be, of like, you know, you need a job, you need a, a partner, you need a kid, you need a home. And um, I was still doing it in kind of an alternative way by like, oh, if you're going to make me have a job, then I'm just going to go to the Middle East and do it, um, you know? But I think now I'm finally stepping into like what I was born to do. And it's like, as soon as I stepped into my purpose, I didn't even have to worry about the practical anymore. So it all just kind of fell into place, you know? Yes, yes. Oh, that, I'm lighting up with joy right now. I love your energy. Um, Cause that's, so I have, and we can dive into this later, but I, cause it's all, it, wow. That just resonates so much with me because I think I just now am developing the trust and commitment it takes to step into my purpose, to step into that passion. It's like, yeah, we know what it is, but do we have that purpose and that commitment to step into it? You know, and that and that and that moment's pivotal for us. So I'm I'm like, am I ready for my pivotal moment? A pivotal moment. So that's that's amazing, but. The reason that um, we're here is your pivotal moment. So when I say the words pivotal moment, what what comes up to you? Like what, in a quick description, what do you think when I say pivotal moment? Well, I think immediately of, for me, there's a very clear moment in my life when I stopped, when I stopped, it, I was thinking about it this morning. I, I had a guest on my podcast speaking about passion and purpose. And he said, he always described leaving his nine to five and following his career as waking up from the matrix. And I was, as I was making breakfast this morning, I'm like, I, and I haven't even seen the way the matrix. Like, I don't even know what that movie's about, but I just imagine it's like, I'm living just this robot nine to five. And I've just like woken up from, from that. Yeah, it's 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 so funny you say that. I was I was talking to my mentor and we were we were talking about like containers, longer containers, and he literally he goes, "You're going to unplug from the matrix. Invest in yourself." And I was like, "Yo, you're right. You're right." 
and it's so funny because my dad was obsessed with the matrix so i've seen all of them and i'm just like i don't want it i don't want it i want the real thing i love that um that that is super 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 um super important to wake up you know um i me and my partner we have the saying when we'll catch ourselves like binge watching tv and we'll say okay let's stop eating the menu stop eating the menu stop eating the menu <laughs> you gotta watch what we're consuming but all that aside all that aside what was that pivotal moment for you you know what what was it give me the context i i always say start from the beginning but start from wherever you're called when you're trying to describe your most pivotal moment in your life what comes to mind Yeah, so I definitely know my pivotal moment. So I was, I mentioned um, kind of in the beginning that I was really getting into like this party girl binge drinking culture. And I was kind of that way throughout my whole life. Like since I became a teenager and, you know, I saw adults around me drinking, all my friends were drinking. I was always like Alex, the party girl. That was my persona. And that came with me all throughout university and it came with me even to the Middle East, which is um, hilarious because I moved to Kuwait, which was a dry country. And so I found myself, you know, learning how to make wine, you know, networking, finding my way to embassies to get alcohol. Like it was a pretty wild time in my life. What? No, you got to tell me more about that. Like, what? Okay, how did you orchestrate that? Come on out. We got time. We got time. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's actually um, not that hard to make wine. Um, I'll tell you how I did it. Uh, you get grape juice, starch, sugar, and then boil water. It's really not that hard. And then you put it in an airtight container and you leave it for like six weeks and then it ferments and it turns into wine. It tastes horrible, like absolutely horrible. Um, but when you're addicted to alcohol like me, <laughs> and of course I didn't see it as an addiction. I saw it as like a necessary thing that I needed to have. Right. And um, so I, I, I seriously look back on it. Like people would joke, like, like you're going to like lose your eyesight at like, because you're drinking, it's like moonshine, right? Like you're going to, you're doing so much damage to yourself. And and that's how much I felt like I needed this coping mechanism at this point in my life. I was drinking this homemade stuff like every night. Wow. And like prepared for it too. So like you had to wait those six weeks. What'd you do within those six weeks of waiting for this after you birthed the idea? I always had, there was always a plan. There was always a way to find a pl- there was always like I could never be I mean you know at the beginning of my time in Kuwait I actually don't I feel like I went like a week without drinking you know like I I don't think the addiction was that bad at the beginning I feel like it got worse and worse with the so anytime you go live overseas there's like a huge cultural sh- adjustment and and it's a traumatic experience and um I didn't have any resources, right? Like I didn't have any counseling. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I had zero support. Like if I could do the whole experience again, I would say to myself to get some kind of support because um, I mean, it's 
it's amazing because it changes your life and it opens your mind and your heart. But like that first, then I obviously loved it because I stayed in the Middle East for seven years, but that first few months, and this happens to anyone, no matter where they're going to live overseas, it's like a massive adjustment after spending like 20, 25 years in your one, you know, city or town that you grew up in. And so I think everything kind of worsened over time. So I think when I started in Kuwait, it wasn't necessarily as bad as it was by the end. Alcohol is actually legal in Kuwait on embassy properties. Um, okay. So the American embassy, the British embassy, the Australian embassy, and who has who can get onto embassies? Uh, people who work for embassies, right? And so um, all of a sudden, I'm everyone I'm dating works at an embassy. Like I'll literally date. I was going on dates with anyone, anyone who <laughs> could, who had access to this. And um, the ridiculous thing about it is that I look back on it and it's like these people, like when you choose people based on the, what they can provide for you, mm. you're not actually choosing people because you like their presence or you want to sit with them. And then mm. that actually makes, that would make me drink more because I would be like, why am I with this horrible person or like this, you know, this like person who's just like gossiping or like, criticizing me or being mean to me like yeah. the people I went out with were the, some of them were mean to me and I would tolerate it because I'm like well this guy you know can get me to this Australian I went to this like Australian chef it was actually a pretty cool night where they made like <laughs> cheese on a barbecue but I went because you could get beer you know it was not because I like wanted yeah. to go to this thing and I just remember this guy I was dating at the time I dated him for a few months um and he just would he was horrible would make fun of what I wore make fun of what I looked like and and I would tolerate it because I'm like I really want beer that's how much I wanted to drink which just seems ridiculous in hindsight that no I always say that life can only be understood backwards but we're forced to experience it forward and when we're deep in that addiction everything makes sense you know what I mean I I, yeah. I, I think to this to this day I still remember every single drink special of every single night and I would literally walk to the liquor store and buy whiskey with change. But at the time, it made sense. I had enough to do it. You know, I look back on it, and I'm like, why? Like, why would I even do that? You know, so I feel that. I feel that 100%. So what, how long did it take you to get to your pivotal moment from being in Kauai to your pivotal moment? Not, not saying what it is, but how long did it take you to get there? So... First, before I got to my pivotal moment, I then moved to Abu Dhabi. And the reason why I was moving to, well, everyone would ask me, you know, people in North America didn't really know the difference between like different Middle Eastern countries. So they're like, well, how is Kuwait different than Abu Dhabi? And I was like, well, alcohol is legal. Um, <laughs> and so this was why, this is what drove my move is that I could move to a country where alcohol was legal. and. The thing about Abu Dhabi and Dubai is that it's like the party central of the region because you have all these people like me living in countries like Kuwait where alcohol is illegal who want to fly out on weekends and party and it's a you know 45 minute flight it's very close so Abu Dhabi and Dubai has these brunches where you can start drinking it's bottomless brunch you can start drinking at noon you pay like 80 bucks for the day and you end up being out until like midnight basically drinking for 12 hours straight and there's also lady sites around the city where women can drink for free so i could tell you all the 
the bars in Abu Dhabi where I could drink for free on a weeknight. So now I'm in this culture where it is completely normal to start drinking at noon and to be drinking on a weeknight, like to be wasted on a weeknight. And like, I was not doing this alone. Like I was doing it with all of my friends that I met there, you know? Yeah. And so it was totally normal to go into work. And I remember, I actually remember on one of my last ladies nights before I got sober, it was like a Tuesday night. I ran into my boss at the bar um, and I got into work the next day and I remember everyone just thought it was hilarious. Like you could tell that I was just like destroyed. Like I should not, I, I should not have gotten up in the morning and gone to work basically. But um, people all thought it was really funny that I had a ladies night the night before. And that was just the culture. That was like the humor. Um, and so when I moved there, it was like this really intense extreme of going from this place where I was constantly trying to figure out where to get booze to then to this place where booze was like everywhere. And mm. I, it's so interesting because I moved to Abu Dhabi and was like, this is my you know, personal paradise. And then it hit this point where it was like, this is my nightmare, like so quickly. So I moved to Abu Dhabi. I moved to Kuwait in 2015, moved to Abu Dhabi in 2017. And it was 2019 when I got sober. So it was like oh, literally this four year thing. And I often say to people that I really feel um, it's really common in the sober groups I'm part of for people to be uh, coming up, exploring sobriety when they're a bit older, like maybe 30s, 40s. Like people often look at me and say, wow, you're like really young. Uh, or like, I wish I got, I wish I quit drinking at your age. And I really think that these extreme situations just propelled me way, way, way faster. And I think I still would have gotten sober if I had been in Canada, but it maybe would have taken like a decade more, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Yo, I, yeah. I I love that you say that because like my my trauma specialist just tells me, PTG. A lot of people tell me that I act like I'm 40 or I act like I'm 50, and it's post traumatic growth once you process the things that you go through in those yeah. hard times, and and you just propel forward in your mindset, in your in your state of being. But you're absolutely right. I I mean, I, I just agree with you on that. So that's that's pretty profound. I, I love that you said that. So with that being said. In these in, within these four years, you 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 face this this pivotal moment. What what was the pivotal moment there that not only caused you to get sober, but just like what was that deciding factor? What happened? Take us to that night. What's going on? What's going through the mindset? Let me hear about it. Yeah. So I had a long buildup over a long period of time, like a lot of people that, that quit drinking, you know, it was, I can't remember when I first started Googling, like, you know, how to quit drinking or like, am I an alcoholic? But I definitely remember the first time I started to think that my drinking was maybe not great. And that was even before I left Canada. So that was like way back in 2015. So it was maybe five years before I eventually quit. And I ended up around the time that I was coming up to quitting, I just realized like, this is not working for me. I was so depressed. I was so unhappy. I had had a bit of a mental health breakdown in 2017, which I had done like a recovery from, but I was still, you know, abusing alcohol. And so it just went back to the place where I started from, right? Um, and so I had been like really, really struggling for a while and I had started seeing all of these Facebook ads for this online sober community. 
And I was constantly checking them out. I was constantly looking at their profile. I wouldn't like them because I was like, I can't, I don't want anyone to see this. And this was so memorable to me because all my life I had thought of like giving up alcohol as like a loss and something that wouldn't be cool and something that would ruin my social life. And this community was positioning sobriety as like fun, positive, awesome for everyone. There were no labels. You didn't have to say like, I was an alcoholic. Like all these ads that I kept seeing were people saying like, you know, I'm a normal city guy who, you know, drinks every night. And um, now look at how I've transformed. Look at my before and after pictures. And I love the way that this was positioned to me because it made sobriety is something I could relate to. And I started to see these stories and be like, I should really try this. But I also had a thousand things going on at that point. Like I was, uh, I had planned to backpack around, I had planned a huge traveling part of my life. So I was backpacking around Southeast Asia. I had friends visiting. I was doing this like trip to Norway. And then my mom was coming out and we're going to Morocco. So it was like this really like wild adventure time in my life. So I kept saying like, you know, I can't quit drinking now because it would ruin this vacation. It would ruin this thing, da, 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 da. Um, but things were getting like worse and worse. So like that ladies night that I mentioned, um, it was so, it was so bad that night. Like I, I just was so, and I, I feel like I got home at a regular time. Like, I don't think I was like, it wasn't like a wild late night, but I woke up in the morning and I think my car was broken down anyway. So I didn't have a car, thank God. Um, but I really should not have been driving. And my friend picked me up and drove me into work. And I remember just being like asleep in the seat beside her and getting in and everyone just being like, like my face was so swollen. Everyone being like, what is wrong with you? Like why, you know? And I think I had felt like I could not take a sick day because I was like, you know, I've, I've done this to myself. And I think I just, I felt, I always had this guilty complex as a teacher about taking sick days always because I felt like I was like abandoning my kids. Um, it took me a really long time, really in sobriety was when I started to realize like, it is like okay to take sick days and you should take sick days, especially if you're, when you're taking care of kids and you are not in the headspace to, to take care of them, then you should be taking a sick day. And for some reason we like guilt people into that. But I look back on that and I'm like, man, I should not have, I should not have even gone into work. But that was like one of the days for me that I was like, I really need to quit. And then I did not because I was, I had this trip planned. <laughs> um, but this was, I heard someone refer to this as the surrender period. And I, I'm like, this was my surrender period. So I'm with my mom in Morocco. And the thing about traveling around Muslim countries is even if it's legal in the country of Morocco, you'll come across villages or towns where it's, there is no liquor store and there's no restaurants with alcohol. And so every, all my travel, I had to be constantly stocking up on wine and beer and filling up my backpack and bringing it with me and carrying around Morocco. And so we hiked up the high Atlas mountains and it was my birthday oh. and there was going to be no alcohol in the homestay. And so I, we brought up a bottle of wine on my back and I said to my mom, like, can't share this with anyone because there's one bottle of wine. 
and um, she was constantly like sharing alcohol with people. I think because she like didn't want me to get so drunk. <laughs> like, why are you sharing this? This is like a vital resource. Um, and so I wasn't able to get drunk that night and I and my birthday was like ruined and I like lay in bed and I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I need to quit drinking. And there were four more days of the trip. So I went out with a bang. I think I, I rallied. I was constantly that person that like rallied everyone to come out you know so I rallied everyone out to go to the bar had this like super wild night and then I got on the plane to go back to Abu Dhabi and I'm like okay this is day one and um that was my pivotal moment wow wow okay what was so what was the thought process on the plane what 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 T-chart did you go through on the plane to just be like, was it just like, all right, I'm done, I quit? And then, or was it like, was there that fight between ego and what this, how this could be good for you? So I think I knew from all of the like content I had seen from this sober community that it was going to be a good thing for me and the right thing for me. But I had to, I could not, so in that moment, I did not say I was quitting drinking forever. I said, I'm doing a 28 day challenge because they had 28 days, 90 days a year for their things. So um, I was like, okay, this is it. This is a month off of drinking. And it was like, so scary. I did not think I could do it because I had never even done dry January or sober October. Like I would look at people who were doing those months and be like, how on earth are you doing that? And so I really thought I wouldn't make it, but I knew I was like, okay, this is it, 28 days. And I don't even remember, like, I feel like it was just a, I don't think there was like a big thought process around it. I think it was just a line drawn in the sand. Like, this is it. And I never would have thought that I would then be here, you know, a thousand days sober. Um, it just, yeah. Is that today? <laughs> Is that today? I was a thousand days sober a couple weeks ago. Okay. So I'm I, close I, I, to, yeah. <laughs> the God. big number. Yo, that's crazy. What? How? How? What is that in, in months, years? What is that? I'm coming up close on three years. I'm, I'm not very good at keeping track anymore, but my three years is on April 13th. Um, so what would that be? However many months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, I, after my after my second year, I think I stopped with months. But um, that's, yo, that's congratulations. That's absolutely insane. And there's one thing that I want to commend you on, like personally give you flowers on is making the decision like the first six months of my sobriety was forced by the state because i had no choice it was either freedom or drink and go to jail so i the people that i've talked to who have the willpower to examine themselves and say no nah, this is it i don't think i would have ever gotten there by myself so i i just want to give you flowers on that that takes huge huge, yeah. huge courage strength bravery stepping out into the sea of creation and just creating a future for yourself and everything that's purpose-driven, that's based on your imagination, that's separated from the ego and you standing in your personal power is just something that's absolutely beautiful and the world needs to know about. So I just 
Thank you. Absolutely. Um, question. I, I like to dive. I like to dive. I'm not, I'm not going to let you off that easy. Uh-uh. <laughs> Yo, um, what, when, I guess, I guess when is better. Earlier you said that you were addicted. So when did you start um, seeing that side of yourself? As in not when like you were deep in your addiction, but owning it, you know, out out of sobriety, you know, because nobody wants to, uh, to call themselves an addict. But you, um, I heard you refer to it earlier, so it just made me want to touch on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I the withdrawal from alcohol was probably one of the hardest. 10, 11 days of my life. Um, possibly what was maybe harder was my mental health breakdown in 2017, just because I couldn't, I was like very depressed and having suicidal thoughts and very low for like an extended period of time. And in 2019 in my sobriety, it was maybe equal to that time. Um, in 2017, I, I don't think I was that seriously addicted to it because I don't remember alcohol cravings being a thing. I remember not drinking in my mental health recovery, but I don't remember cravings being a thing. Like I did have beers from time to time, but um, what was really hard about 2019 was that when I was getting sober was I was craving alcohol all day, right? And And then I was also having these like really really horrible mood disorder symptoms so it's because if you're drinking as much as i was your mood stabilizers are not going to be working and then when you stop drinking your whole brain is recalibrating everything and so it gets like really 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 hard before it gets better and so it was like 10 or so days i don't remember the exact day count I just remember that weekend two of sobriety was like the first day when I actually felt like happy to like happy to like be alive and be waking up sober. And so it was like probably two weeks of just like real like suffering and feeling alone. Um, there was no one that could understand me. Um, no one to talk to. Very luckily I had, um, my employers at my job that I had in Abu Dhabi were amazing. And I actually had a panic attack at work one day and one of my bosses uh, set me up with a counselor, which was like amazing. And she didn't even like ask me about what was going on. And then I went to her and said to her, I'm I'm quitting drinking. And, um, and they were just incredible, like just supported me through everything and even like, when I started coming out on social media about it, like that was, that's a controversial thing to be doing in the Middle East, like to be a teacher of like six-year-old kids advocating about, you know, addiction and sobriety when you're supposed to be a role model and it's this part of the world where you're not supposed to drink at all, right? And and they were amazing. Like I constantly was worried that I was gonna wake up one day and I was just gonna be like fired because of like what I was posting and they were just so supportive. Um, but I think it took getting through that. It maybe took hitting this reflection 
probably somewhere around like 20, 40 days where I like kind of stepped back and was like, wow, I have like a pretty serious problem. Um, and I don't ever, the thing that keeps me motivated is like never wanting to do those 11 days again, ever. And this is what I think for people that keep struggling and keep having a blip and keep drinking again, you're just doing the hardest, you're doing the hardest part of this over and over and over again, right? And it's going to get easier, um, but you have to be able to get even to like, I think it was like the hundred days for me where I was just like, okay, this is it. Um, but if you just keep getting into that cycle, you're just facing that struggle again. Yo, that, you saying that took me right back to like, when I was like withdrawing from alcohol. And I was like, yo, that was terrible. I, yeah. and you're right. I don't ever want to go through that again. Wow. So what was more pivotal, the decision to stop or the decision to keep going once you stop? I love that question. I love that question. Um, I think there's a few pivotal moments and I don't think what was the most pivotal was not the decision to keep going, but I think the most, I guess it was kind of about keeping going. So the most pivotal moment for me was as I settled into sobriety, I started to wake up and be like, why am I here? Like, why am I here in this classroom? I don't, I never wanted to be a teacher. I don't know why I'm here. And I started to look at all these options of like, you know, maybe I could be a gym teacher. Maybe I could be a um, reading specialist. Maybe I could be a principal. It was basically like all these ways that I could like keep a salary without being in the classroom was like my thought process. And um, I had this assistant teacher who I love. She was with me for three years and like through the entire thing. But she was always talking about um, her, she called him her fortune teller. And I'm like, okay, I'm like not into this. I just did not believe in like any of that stuff. And when I was about 30 days sober, she said, hey, my fortune teller's in town. You should go see him. And I was like so desperate and so lost that I was like, okay, I'm just gonna do it um, and whatever. It'll just, if, even if it doesn't work out, it's just an experience, right? And so right. I ended up driving to Dubai to meet this guy and he said to me, okay, close your eyes, count down 21 to one, open your eyes. You were never meant to be a teacher. You were always meant to be a healer. And I just like sobbed and I sobbed through this whole, session and he told me all these things like you're gonna become a life coach you're gonna start a business um he actually named he gave me the name for the business this is my logo behind me um mindful life practice but uh he's become like a very close uh friend and i actually do work you know run events with him we've done a couple podcast episodes i see him like every month but this was the pivotal i think moment for me because i think if i did not uh figure out this is the thing i think is that alcohol is a, the alcohol use and abuse is a uh, symptom of, of something. Mm -hmm. It's a symptom of something that is wrong and it's like a coping mechanism. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people will hit 30 days and, or whatever point it is and, and not be able to face whatever that thing is, whether it's, um, you know, your marriage is 
not right or your job is not right or the city you're not living in is not right or maybe you're like really hiding some part of your um identity and and the easiest thing is to just start drinking again right mm -hmm. and so I think if I did not have this pivotal moment that gave me like purpose and meaning and I was like I'm gonna build a business um and this is I'm gonna get out of this situation and I'm and this is like I'm sitting here in this room I'm looking out at my pool you know in Bali and I'm just like this is my manifestation and this is because of you know that moment those two moments the moment to get sober and then the moment to keep going but it didn't happen on its own without like a real insp inspiring mentor to come into my life chills chills all over my body right now and i'm fucking hyped let's go let's go you said the word inspire and inspiring mentor and i just recently uh discovered that inspire means to breathe life into and i'm like whoa and every time that it's used it is literally breathing life into somebody and it's just one of those words that are that is true to definition it's like damn that's good that is good mm. yo so if you could give yeah we're, we're wrapping up i love this i there's so much because i could do this for hours and there's so much here i really hope we get the chance to co-create something again in the future um if you could give advice takeaways or whatever it is that you have learned from your pivotal moment onto somebody who is one or two steps behind you what would you say to them i would say that anything is possible when you're sober and your dream is possible and it might feel too big like mine, I would always say like, oh, I'll never have enough money to start a business. I'll never be, there's nothing special about me. The yoga market is too saturated. Like I had all of these things that were like keeping me small. And if I never had the courage to just like follow this dream, I would never be here today, right? And so I think if you're hitting that point where you're just like, you know, you're waking up from the matrix, you're unplugging from the matrix and you're like, what? There's gotta be more to life than this. I just would encourage you to like dream big and follow those dreams because that is gonna give you the purpose and drive and passion to like keep moving forward. I love that and you're so right. You're so right. Like, damn girl, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, wow, thank you. Thank you. Uh, please tell everybody where to find you, what you do, what you offer, all the good stuff you got coming up for this year, whatever you want, just all of it, lay it all out there. Awesome. Um, so I have an online community called the Mindful Life Practice, and we have several different programs. So I help people in initial sobriety for 30 and 60 days uh, sober yoga challenges. So the challenge is to quit drinking, develop a daily yoga practice, you get support from me. And I also run yoga teacher trainings, um, 200 hour, 300 hour in mental health, 30 hour in sober curious yoga. And on my platform, if you download our app, we have groups for people to connect um, in sobriety. We have tons of free Zoom classes. We have like thousands of on-demand yoga classes. So tons of resources on the Mindful Life Practice app. It's called the MLPC. Mm, love that. 
Yes. Um, I'm definitely gonna have to check out one of your yoga classes because I'm trying to get more flexible. So <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to check you out. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, and if there's any way that I can support you, please let me know. Let me know what I can do to uplift you because that's what it's all about. Um, uh, what's your podcast name again? Tell it. Yeah. What, what's up with yes. that? I have a podcast too, um, Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. Yes, Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. Tune in. When you do episodes, what's up? How often? They get released every Thursday. Mm, mine get released every Wednesday. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> you can listen to mine on Wednesdays and listen to Alex's on uh, Thursday. You can listen to several moments on Sunday. Just to load you up a podcast. <laughs> Um, I'm good. Anything else or any closing words? No, thank you so much for having me. It was so amazing to to chat with you and um, just kind of connect. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This has just been amazing. So that's mm, until next time. I feel like we are definitely going to get a chance to co-create. But that was inspiring. Um, I'm full of energy. I'm so grateful right now. Like the gratitude is great. Chance to sit down and just chat for an hour about you and your story and what you've been through. And 